Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NILA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff-side lawyers. We are your hosts, Ahmed Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the Board of Directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. And welcome back to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast. We are your hosts. I am Max Barrick. And I'm Amit Bindra. And we are once again lucky to be joined by Jim Dopke, who is a partner at Robinson Stewart, Montgomery and Dopke LLC. I once again encourage everybody to check out the firm's website to learn more about Jim, his extensive experience working for the Illinois ARDC, and his vast knowledge of Illinois attorney ethics issues. Jim, welcome back. Thanks, you guys. I'm happy to be here. We have to welcome Pepper to your dog, who I can see in the yes. background. She's, <laughs> she's excited because her enemy, the Amazon guy, just came. So she believes she can just will him away through sheer, you know, glaring and, and flat out looks of hatred. Hopefully she'll, she'll stick to that and not barking. You know, there's attorneys who kind of believe the same thing sometimes. So it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she'd make a good lawyer, actually. Nah. Do you think her okay. bigger I enemy? I think we're out of the danger zone now. That's, that's good. Uh, do you, is she more concerned with the vacuum or the the Amazon guy or mailman? Amazon and mail person. If I can, I feel like if I can teach her what online commerce is, then you know I might be able to to have a little bit more peace in my day. But that was actually pretty decent. I was holding on to her a little bit there, so she she comported herself a little better. Usually, it's it's you know full on freak out. You know the what's the what's the quote? The you know the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we visit my in-laws, my large 85-pound Airedale, who occasionally barks and makes an appearance on the show or, like, knocks over my mic, he goes absolutely berserk every time he sees wildlife and they have these big windows and there are, like, deer that like to run by and ducks that come up and this little, I think it's a a gopher. It sort of looks like the animal from Caddyshack, but I can't be totally sure. (laughs) All kind of make appearances and they're almost taunting him. So, you know, middle of the night, morning, whatever, he'll he'll, he'll be eternally vigilant like like your pepper, so... Mm-hmm. All right. So nobody wants to hear that. Let's, so last time we were here, we talked about your legal ethics practice. Today, we wanted to talk about you a little bit more and, and what brought you here. So can you tell us a little bit what, what brought you to law school in the first place? Well, I when I was in undergrad, my majors were English and classical Greek. So I think that explains everything, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, I, I enjoyed studying those. I had studied, you know, obviously both of them since English, since high school, obviously, but classical Greek, I got a chance to study in high school too. And I continued to pursue it in college and was was happy to do that. But I, I had a, a, a pull toward wanting to, to do something outside of academia. And I didn't really see a, a path forward with those to subject areas outside of academia. So I chose law school and I did, I had an idea that I wanted to do not, not political work, but public interest work. And I wasn't even quite sure what the scope of that was, but I I wanted to, to use the education I had been privileged to have to help others in some way. And then the, the way I wound up conceiving of that was to go to law school and seek out some kind of public interest career, which I was lucky to be able to do. Actually, I, I, I took some classes in, in law school and, and did the, you know, the legal clinic thing, which at, uh, I went to Loyola for law school here in Chicago, and, and they had a, an excellent public interest legal clinic run then by a professor, Hank Rose, who I, I admired very much. And, and I, I, I really 
was privileged again to have the opportunity to to work with him at that clinic. And I, I the, the legal aid market at that time was a bit tight, as I recall. What happened was I was actually still living with my parents at the time. They moved to Joliet because my father became the, or, or was, and, and the president of the, what was then the College of St. Francis, and it became the University of St. Francis. So he needed to live in Joliet to, to do that. I moved with them at that point and wound up getting a job at the Will County Legal Assistance Program. So doing the, the, the very work I had you know envisioned doing. And again, was lucky to work there under Jeff Allen. Now he's been for some time, the Honorable Jeff Allen, who sits in, I believe it's probate court still out there in, in Will County. And I did that for about three years. I focused on eviction cases, foreclosure defense. I did some family law as well, because the need for that was very great at the time. And I, that wasn't an area I had planned on <laughs> practicing in. And I did my best with it. I will say I, my first contested trial was an order of protection that I did win. So I was pleased about that. But you know, I, it was it wasn't exactly what I expected to be doing. And, and I hope it, it worked out okay for everyone <laughs> that, that I represented. But but I enjoyed the work very much. It got me in court every day. I had already had some court experience by being a 7-Eleven clerk for the city of Evanston. So that was traffic court experience, but that, you know, gets you thinking on your feet, right? And, and but being in, in Will County, going to court a lot, and being in front of not just eviction judges, but the, the you know, being in chancery court for the foreclosure defense cases, just watching what went on there. I, I got to see some very sophisticated lawyers handling sophisticated matters that were, you know, outside of what I was doing there, but that I was able to learn a lot from. So it was it was public interest law the way I, I, I envisioned it and the way I wanted to do it. But also it had other dimensions that I was very thankful for, too. Who was your favorite writer? My favorite as an writer as an English major. Oh, well, when I was in college, my favorite poet was Wallace Stevens. And I, I remember doing a big paper on him. And I, I still like him a lot. But the, the one that I've really grown to appreciate over the years is Graham Greene, the, the British writer whose life really spanned the 20th century, almost in total, in total, and it was a, just a, a fascinating character in his own right. Never put a word wrong, as far as I can tell, in his novels. He was able to write both thrillers and really complex novels about morality and, and theology and all kinds of things. And I, I got into him. I wish I had studied him more when I was an English major. I read some of his books, I think, but I didn't. The, the, the switch flipped about maybe 10 or 12 years ago. I was dissing some other writer <laughs> and, and found myself saying, if you want to read a real novel, you read Graham Greene or something. And then I thought, well, I'm a hypocrite. You know, I haven't read any Graham Greene in years, so I should do that. And I've just wound up going down that road. But but, but Stevens was a, a, a great poet and I still like a lot of his work. He was a more problematic person. Well, so was Greene. I mean, heck. But it turned out Stevens had really awful politics that I wouldn't have agreed with as a college student and don't agree with now. And it, it just, it, it, it sort of sours the whole experience for me. But but if you, if you ask me favorite writer now, that's who I'd say. Close runner up, Ford, Maddox Ford. <laughs> I'm taking notes. I'm going to read these and follow up with you. <laughs> so if you, um, want, if you want green, read The Quiet American first. That's a great okay. one. All right. I'm going to read that down. Uh, an Oscar nominated movie at some point. Yes. With uh, Michael Caine and Brendan Fraser who was a bit of an offbeat choice for the character he played, but he did a good job, I thought. I seem to remember coming out when I was in high school. 
That's awesome. Oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> hey, Max is very young. On that note, so in the last Dude, episode- you're my age. Yeah. So, uh, no, you're younger, I think. I'm going to be 35. What are you? I just turned 35. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I know, Jim. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> so on the last episode, you mentioned you were at the ARDC from 99 to 2013. How'd you end up there? Believe it or not, classified ad in the law bulletin. I was uh, doing the legal aid work and... Uh, I'll say, I, I wouldn't say I was getting burned out on it, but it was hard. You know, it was, it's hard to keep up with on a, on a long-term basis. And, you know, I was still doing it the best I could, but I started thinking about maybe I could do something else. And so I just happened to see a listing for a staff attorney at, at ARDC. And I thought, what the heck, you know, let's see, let's see. And uh, submitted my materials and interviewed there with, with people that I, you know, wound up working with for many years thereafter. I do remember particularly my second interview with Mary Robinson, who is now my partner. And, and we clicked very well. We hit it off and, and I'm, I'm, more pleased than than anything in my professional life to say how how well that's worked out for me. But uh, you know, I, I I wound up going through that interview process and was hired on, and 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 my start date was February first of nineteen ninety nine. So that's that's really it. No nothing more complicated than that. So outside of working with Mary, and I know I know you work with her now too, which is kind of it's awesome how long you two have worked together. What else did you enjoy about your work at the ARDC? Oh, I, I liked a lot of, of, of it. it. It was part of it was you could get a new file on any given day and it would be something different than the day before. You know, there was such a good range of, of matters, again, that you could just learn about, you know, not, not, it, not just the decisions about should this be prosecuted or shouldn't it be, but to, to learn about all these different areas of, of law that I had no idea about before, whether it's bankruptcy or, you know, really complex commercial, I don't know, subrogation litigation or something or, or, or employment law. I had a number of investigations involving employment law. And I think I talked with you guys before and, and asked you if the, if the issue of pretexting or testers was still a, a, a thing, because it was back in the, this would have been early 2000s. I remember getting investigations about lawyers, employment lawyers who would employ people to go and either act as though they're employees in a, in a work site and they're really not, and they're really just gathering information or what have you. And there was a question there about, is that deceptive activity, you know? And so that was fascinating for me to learn about that. But even if it, if it was short of kind of a hot button issue, I was, like I said, I was learning more about not just the substantive areas of law, although there was that, but the ways that lawyers actually handle them in real life. It was a very real life kind of job, you know, which at, at ARDC, which is, again, a lot of what I wanted out of, out of being a lawyer, you know, the, that's a lot of what I was trying to jump into from being in a, in a liberal arts, you know, world as a, as a student, I wanted to see a lot about the nuts and bolts of how the world really works. And I definitely, definitely learned that. And I'm, I'm thankful for that always. It was also good litigation experience. You know, the, the cases there are litigated according to the rules of civil procedure. So a lot of it is like trying a, a civil case, sometimes a complex civil case. You get to meet, uh, meet and prepare and put on witnesses from all walks of life. And you, you get to prove cases according to a high evidentiary standard, clear and convincing evidence. So there's very little about it that's a cakewalk, you know, which, uh, you know, as a lawyer keeps you on your toes, right? I mean, it, it makes you attentive to how to 
to build that case and eliminate as many weaknesses as you can or figure out a way to work around them or whatever it is. It just, it, the, the, the leadership there was great. My colleagues were terrific. You know, it was a, it was a, people sometimes, I wonder if people believe this about ARDC, but it was really a pleasant place to work a lot of the time. You know, I mean, even though there's, it's a prosecutor's office. And so there, there are some, you know, and you have some heavy cases that involve bad or tragic circumstances and, and, you know, you have to sort of process, but a lot of the people that, that work there were, were able to do that with, with, with grace, you know, and I appreciated that about the, about the job too. And the, the staff there was wonderful. They're dedicated people who, who support the work that was done. It was just, it was just a, you know, it, it wasn't as, as direct a public interest job as maybe I had envisioned and, and as legal aid was, but I carried legal aid with me, you know, in my heart as I, as I did the work and it, 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 it was a, a rich experience for, for that too. What about the flip side? What did you find challenging about working at the ARDC? Oh, well, as I say, sometimes the, the circumstances of the cases themselves were, were bad. You know, I mean, the, the complainants who suffered a lot as a result of, of very bad attorney conduct. One of my first cases was that, and it involved a, a lawyer stealing a lot of money from his own relative who had a lot of problems. And, you know, it was, that was, it, it was, it wound up being a default case. So the lawyer didn't, you know, didn't participate in the proceedings and those cases always go a certain way. And, you know, th- 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 those are the ones where it's, it's not as difficult for the prosecutor to get the, the, the heavy result, but it was hard sometimes to, to be the, the guy who had to, to seek that heavy result. You know, I didn't always like it. And I did, it's, it, it, I was as fair as I could be. And so were my supervisors. And so was everybody in the, in the process who was making the decisions. And I love being able to say that, you know, I love being able to say when I, when I referred a case to the inquiry board for its consideration and asked them, should this be a complaint or should it not, they gave it careful consideration, you know, that the, the, the way that works is it's a panel of three members, two lawyers and one non-lawyer. And they were thoughtful people, you know, they weren't just, they're, they're not hanging judges, you know, they're not looking to, to spite anyone or cause anyone problems just to do it. They made fair decisions. And I was happy to be a part of that, but sometimes they were hard decisions. You know, sometimes I, I often say that some of my favorite work there was closing investigations that I just didn't think we needed to be involved in at all or anymore, you know, and, and that's, that felt like a good use of, of, government time and resources to be able to say, no, you know, this isn't a provable case. It, our, our involvement has to, to end now. And, and yet that could be a difficult decision too, because again, people suffer, right. And people, people believe that they suffered at the hands of a lawyer, even if it's not really provable that they did or not provable by clear and convincing evidence. And it can be hard to tell someone that, but, you know, again, you're, you're, you're dealing with, it's a, like I said, it's a human it's it's very much a human business, very much about people, and what the, and their 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 wants, their desires, their needs, and the the ways they portray events that happen to them, and you 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 have to take it all seriously, you know. Even though there are some where you just wave it away, the person's obviously just you know complaining about something silly. You still have to spend time on it, and eventually it starts to kind of weigh on you too. The the, the weight and the gravity of the decisions you're making. 
What what led you to leave the ARDC then? What led you to kind of switch and, and go into private practice again? Or or uh, time if you did public interest. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was, you know, I had been there about uh, almost 15 years and I thought it was, it was time to, to explore doing something else. And, and I, again, it wasn't one, one particular thing that, that triggered it, but I was just interested to see what, what, what I could do in a different environment. And I had very long admired a lot of my colleagues on the on the defense side of things from Sam Manella, who was a, a, a former ARDC prosecutor also, but had been in private practice for quite some time. Had a number of cases with him, the great George Collins, who I had tried cases against him. By that time, I had seen him as counsel for a witness in one of my cases. He wasn't representing the respondent. He was representing a witness who had been defrauded of, of money by my my respondent that I was prosecuting. And it was really interesting to see that side of it for me. You know, to, I got to see him. I, I prepped this witness within, in George's presence. And just to see him advise her and tell her how to get through this proceeding and what to think and what to, you know, how to, how to, not what to say, but how to phrase her answers so that they would be most responsive. I was fascinated by that. You know, I had prepped witnesses before, of course, but just to see George do it and see it done from the viewpoint of someone who often represented well, now handling it from this different point of view. I kind of, this was a few years before I left, but I still, it always stuck with me. And I thought maybe I could do that. You know, maybe, maybe I could fill that role or, you know, Bill Martin was another one that, that made a huge impression on me. Bob Merrick was very, very good at relating to his clients again on that human level and, and, and dealing with it in a, in a way that was dealing with these sometimes difficult problems in a way that was compassionate. The way Bob did that made a, made a huge impression on me. And so I, I just, I thought maybe I can bring some of this to bear in, in a, in a different way. I always, like I said, I wanted to, to try to take some of their approaches and use them in my approach as a prosecutor. And I was glad and I'm still glad to say that I did earn, earn the respect of, of those practitioners, but I, I, I wanted to see if I could maybe try my hand at it. And I, I met with Mary, who I knew was out there working in, in her own practice. I was curious about how she was doing it. And so we met and talked and it, it wound up working out. She was already working with my now partner, Sari Montgomery, who was also a, a former prosecutor, worked with me there. And we wound up being together, not at this current firm, but at what we then called Robinson Law Group. And you know, we were working together that way for some time until 2019, when we brought Stephanie Stewart on another <laughs> ARDC former prosecutor, fantastic lawyer, and we're, we're now the partnership that we, that we are today. So after spending almost a decade in private practice, nearly 15 years at the ARDC, a bunch of time doing legal aid work, what advice would you give yourself as you're graduating Loyola? That's a great question. I would, I would say, I would say uh, to, to do a lot of what I did do, which is work hard and keep an open mind. And, and, what, you know, I would say to myself, the key is, is to, to success in an individual case or in your career is being as prepared as you can be at all times, anticipate as much as you can, what the, the, the way something might go, but understand you won't always know that, you know, I think in my early career, I just thought, you know, well, I'm on the side of the right, you know, I'm on the side of justice with a capital J here for, for communities that really need an advocate you know, and so I must be right in what I'm doing. And that was, I think, 
if I had to correct myself a little bit, you know, that was idealistic in a nice way, but, but unrealistic in some other ways. And, you know, when I say be open, I, I keep an open mind. I mean, watch the community you're in and be aware of the, the, the people you're interacting with and, and make sure that, that you, you fit yourself in, in a way that, that works for you and your clients, but is also, but also works with the community, you know, not to say that I went around stepping on toes a whole lot, but it just, it, I, I think I was a little less than clear on, on that part of how the world works, you know, it meant to join a legal community and what it meant to, to work in a, not a small town exactly, but, you know, uh, a town that's definitely had its own idea of what a community was and, and how you could become part of it. And, you know, it was a little, it, it, I did it the best I could, but, and, and sometimes you just have to go through these things and and learn from them, but, but keeping a a more open mind about the, 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 my role in these cases and the, the best way to present them, I think would have, would have helped me and to, to be as, as, prepared as I could in the sense of, you know, anticipating what, what would work in a defense and what wouldn't work in a defense. I learned a lot more about this in my experience at, at ARDC. Again, the defenses in my cases were put together often by very sophisticated lawyers like George Collins and I, I, I and, and everybody else in San Manella, Bob Merrick, Mary Robinson, you know, and we never litigated a case against one another, but, but, you know, seeing, seeing them do it made me understand and and then preparing my own case in reaction to it made me understand the the importance of preparation and openness of mind in that preparation that's a great answer i'm at you're up my friend so jim you know what we're, we're going to do here we like to end our episodes with a shout out of the week your shout out last time with your family it's just something positive again it can be a tv show it can be a book it can be your family again just anything you want to shout out it's the one thing we spring on people something rather harmless yeah Okay. Okay. You can cheat a um, little bit because you have shouted out a bunch of writers and lawyers in this episode too. That's true. I did. I did. I'm a, I, I like shouting out, but I will say I'm going to shout out one of my favorite bands, Super Chunk. They are a, I think they would still like to be called a punk rock band, but they're, they've been doing tuneful indie rock of their own stripe for a very long time now. And since I want to say 89 or 90, and I did get in on them at a pretty, you know, ground floor level. I'm happy to say the one of the members also runs Merge Records, which has become very successful over the years. I just admire just about everything about how they've done what they've done. First of all, I love their music. It's, it's like I said, it's tuneful, aggressive, but in a, in a, not in a harmful way based on hardcore punk, but in a, in a, again, in a way that is open-hearted and related, relatable to people. I think they're fantastic musicians always have been, and they, they just carry everything off style and energy and, and, and grace that, that I, have always appreciated. They can they came to town recently. I wasn't able to go see them, but you know, they they just are they they seem like good humans. I don't know any of them personally, but they they they're they're fun and funny and and yet they're dedicated to their their craft in a way that I just again, I try to take inspiration from as much as I can. Mr. Ducky, you have perhaps the most eloquent way of describing punk rock musicians I think <laughs> I've ever heard of. Well, I'm lucky to have found the good ones, I guess. Well, as a fan of the Ramones and the Clash, I respect that. There you go. 
Thank you, Jim, again, for coming on and sharing your personal story with us. It's really comforting to know that folks like yourself spent time at the ARDC, making sure the rest of us stay out of trouble and, and follow the rules and, and helping us do that, you know, when we make, in, you know, confidential inquiries and, and, and the like. It's nice to know that the folks, um, you know, running the ship cares so much about doing things the right way, about public interest and the like. So you you were and are a real credit to, to legal ethics, to to the work you do. You know your stuff. And if people have legal ethics questions, other than the free ARDC hotline, I cannot think of anybody else they should go to other than yourself. So thank you um, for sharing your knowledge and story with our audience. And we're really looking forward to round three with you when we get to do a Q&A, ask you legal tech questions. And depending on when we record it, hear about the awesome trip you took to San, what was it? It's, where is it? San Juan. San Juan. Yeah. San Juan, when you're going to suffer through that legal ethics conference. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. In February, too, you said, right? In so, February, right. I know. That's a, God, the horror. Yeah. I know. I know. I'll try to get through somehow. But <laughs> thank you. Thank you both so much for the, the your time and your the opportunity to, to talk with you and your kind words. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks again, Jim. Thanks to everybody at home for listening. Please subscribe and share. Our podcast is intended to provide general overviews of employment law. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host's opinions. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.